This is Rough Drafts Welcome, the podcast where you can mess up, and we can too. I'm Sachiko. And I'm Erin. And together with the editors at Salt and Sage Books, we're changing the face of storytelling one rough draft at a time. We're glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, Sachiko. How are you? Hi, Erin. Hello. Okay. I want to, let's just dive right in. I want to talk about marketing and marketing as an introvert specifically um, because it is a really hard thing for me and I am trying something new in the month of October. This episode will definitely come out once my experiment is done. So you can go to my Instagram. Uh Look at me marketing effortlessly. Um, Okay, story is this. When I very first was like, I want to be a writer when I was a little kid, the information that was available to me in the, oh, I'm going to date myself here, in like the the late 90s, the early 2000s, that whole time period. For the record, I am young. I know I'm young. I know. (laughs) But I feel like there has been a huge sea change in the way that publishing works. Oh, absolutely. I can't tell you. I mean, you know, and I know, and we have friends who are our age and older and older than me. And we grew up with the idea that publishing was a job. Mm -hmm. You could be a mid-list. You could make income. And it was something you could aspire to. And a lot of people are feeling very, very disappointed about that right now. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. There's When I was little, I remember the idea being that I would make enough money off of my books to be able to write full time Mm -hmm. and that all I would really need to do was two things and well, maybe three. First was to write the actual story and do any of the revisions required. The Mm -hmm. second thing was to, I mean, do the hard work of getting an agent and working with editors and all of those things. And then the third thing was go to book signings, maybe teach some classes, maybe sign some stuff. Like, but that was really it in my mind. That's what I was like, yeah, this is what writing like is. This is what it looks like to be an author. And it has just changed immensely, immensely. Mm. I Mm. see a lot of people really um, mourning or bemoaning one of the two, I guess, depending on who you're talking about. Yeah, that they're like, Mm. what do you mean I have to market my work? What do you mean mean I have to? Like that feels, I I feel like, well, I'll just speak for me. It felt unfair that I was like, I only have a limited amount of creative energy and time. And you want me to spend, like, you want me to build like a TikTok following? I don't know how to do that. And I don't, honestly, I didn't really want to. I didn't Mm -hmm. really want to. I'm like, I mean, people are great and all. And I love readers and I am a reader and I love the broader writing community, but thinking about like doing the marketing half of it has always been this thing that I have just been dragging my feet on that I just, I really didn't want to do it. Partly because it felt like this is not what I was promised as a kid. No. And I also, I mean, I'm an extrovert. I'm, I'm super an extrovert, but I'm insecure. So (laughs) I, you know, there's also that part of fantasy of your genius is being discovered and other people are celebrating it for you. Mm-hmm. And especially for those of us out here who have grown up um, in a culture where you're not supposed to speak 
your abilities, especially for those of you who are like female or were raised female, where there's very much a, you don't talk about what you're proud about yourself doing, that you don't, you know, like the lion in Barbie, when she gets the award and she says, I deserve this, I earned it. Like, we do not do that. Yeah. And marketing depends very much on doing exactly what we have been trained to never do. Yes. I saw someone the other day say that if you were raised as female or female presenting, particularly in the culture of the United States, mm-hmm. um, you actually need to work on increasing your ego. Like the ego work that you do as a female presenting person is to increase your self-confidence. Yes. Yeah. And that's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I mean, we can talk so much about our own individualized traumas, but so much of my own personal life was this sense that I would be more appreciated and better liked and I would have more friends and blah, blah, blah. If only I could be a little quieter, a little bit less intense. Um, Self-effacing. Less, yeah. A little more humble. The credit. The feedback that my... No, no, we're not going to go there. Yeah. Right. But I don't want to go down the trauma rabbit hole too much. Hard. I'll just... We'll just spend this whole episode with me crying and Sachiko hugging me virtually. Um, <laughs> but basically, marketing requires us to flex muscles that we may have let atrophy yeah. many and, reasons. And to create a space for ourselves and hold that space and occupy that space. On a regular basis. It's a yeah. lot. It's So, I mean, aside from all of the, do I have the creative energy for this? Do I have the time for this? Do I, do I like Instagram? Do I like TikTok? Do I prefer Twitter, the artist formerly known as Twitter? Do I like... <laughs> You know, what what will work best for me? For me, like, that's a lot of logistical stuff that is important eventually, but doesn't actually feel very important when I'm over here trying to figure out why have I not done this yet? Why does this feel so scary to me? So I want to talk first about, like, let's dig into the emotional side of it a little, and then we can talk about the logistical stuff because um, I have a couple of logistical things that, like, I feel like have really helped. Yeah, but... You've got to and get- having a plan that we can practice, you know, marketing is practicable skill mm-hmm. by definition. So, yeah, let's talk about how we can practice that. Yeah. So let's first I want to talk about like the the underlying emotional hardness. Um, for me, a lot of it was this sense of that when I was a kid, I was told regularly that who I was as a basic person, like as a ta-da, you're born, here you are, that I was fundamentally broken somehow. Um, Some of this in my own particular family culture was religious based because there was this religious idea that when we are born, we are, I mean, flawed. It's a pretty common Christian idea like this whole that man is fallen. Mankind is fallen. Humankind is, I don't like the word mankind. Humankind is like that we're inherently bad that there is something inherently wrong with us, like this idea of original sin and that we could just we can't get away from it. Um, so that was part of it for me. Another part of it for me is that I was, I am neurodiverse. And I didn't know that until a few years ago. And so that sense of other people seem to be able to do this and I really can't, or mm-hmm. like it's so hard for my brain to wrap around, that added to it, being undiagnosed 
And like, I just didn't have the language for it. I didn't know what was happening in my head. All I knew is that other people didn't seem to struggle with the same things that I was struggling with. This makes my heart hurt to talk about it, which I guess is good because it means we're getting into the real stuff of it. But I really, as I mean, as a kid, as a teenager, the message that I got again and again and again was that I should be smaller. I should take up less space. I should talk less about things. I should have less passionate takes. I should be quiet. And that if I would just be quiet, then maybe I would have more friends. Maybe I would be able to find a boyfriend, which was one of my parents' dearest desires for me, which that that's a whole thing in and of itself because, hey, I also didn't realize I was queer as a kid because it wasn't an option in my world. I didn't even know that it existed. And so, so much oh. of my life has been this sense of like putting myself, I don't want to use the closet metaphor, but like keeping myself in tiny boxes. Well, because marketing in a way is sort of, it's asking people to like us enough to give us money. It's seducing people. And so um, everything that we've learned about how we relate to others and what our value is, that affects, and it keeps being affected. You know, if we've tried to market our stuff here, we're, especially as writers to say, okay, now you need to use your words to make people like you. That's, that's a very personal ask when what we, it's scary enough to here's use your words to make a story that interests people. Good luck. (laughs) Okay. Now, now make them like you now make them give you money. Yeah. I mean, that really is what it is. And Mm -hmm. I like that. I, I really like TikTok for this actually, that it has become a space where, people know you like as a person Mm -hmm. it's it's more personable i guess is that's the word i'm looking for but i mean marketing uh, mm. well i've heard that too i've heard that i don't know if i'm stepping too far ahead into logistics Mm -hmm. but i've heard that a lot of the blogs and newsletters that do the best you know it's really tempting to hide our soft little underbelly selves behind a big framework, a big hard shield of shiny newsletters and official things. And I mean, it's better than nothing, but apparently what does best is if you have just a regular blog and you're just connecting with people like a person. Yeah. Cause then they want to read your books too. Mm-hmm. They want to, they want to spend time in your head. With I think you. like the, so much of the um, advice, what am I trying to say? You want to be friends with your readers in a yeah. way. Like you want them to not only enjoy your books, but I mean, the goal is to have people who want to one click your name, right? Like whenever you come out with something new, you one click. And I think it's a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful interchange of energy and relationship because I have authors that I feel that way about who I just adore and their books feed me in a way that like nothing else does. So I don't, It doesn't necessarily feel to me like, oh, I'm here to trick all of you. But like, it can kind of feel like that. So a lot of it. I'm a situation. Oh, I'm sorry for interrupting. Sorry, no, go ahead. Nero spicy. Um, Can it become a situation though, where because of whatever complicated emotional stuff, we approach ourselves as a consumable and then we just sort of fall into creating a persona that we have to maintain and to keep masking even (laughs) yes 
Because yes. if you're masking, if you're like us, and you are heavily masking and it's hard to unmask, it's especially hard to unmask when it seems like a lot of marketing stuff out there that we've all kind of absorbed is all about making ourselves into that shiny masked product. If I can just figure out what people like, then I can fake being that yeah. for as long as necessary. And that is what marketing felt like as an ask to me. This like, well, can you just please figure out the mask that you can wear to actually sell your books? Can you do mm -hmm. that? I, I don't wanna. Okay, so here's what wanna. I'm hearing from you. Here's what I'm hearing from you. That initially marketing feels like this sudden surprise, hey, uh, you know all those feelings of rejection and isolation? Well, we're going to ask you to increase it by doing things that already hurt you. Yay. But, <laughs> yeah. but if we approach marketing as an opportunity to make friends with people and have them appreciate us mm -hmm. and what we offer, then maybe we can move forward and not have our fear stop us and scatter us before we can maintain a good posting schedule on social media or whatever. Yeah. I think um, that's so beautifully said. Amen. The end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> For me, a lot of it is this sense of that I have to fake being somebody. Mm -hmm. And also it brings up all of those past fears that I've talked about before. Like, and I mean, it's a thing too with um, neurodiversity to have rejection sensitivity dysphoria, rejection sensitive dysphoria, RSD. Yes. And in the sense that a negative comment from someone or someone misunderstanding you can really feel like death to your nervous system. Just spirals you right out of control. Mm -hmm. And then where do you find the emotional energy to do regular life, let alone writing? Yeah. 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 And how do you do it in such a way? And they're like, oh, yeah, engage with your comments. Talk about things. And I see people on TikTok who have gotten to the point where they can take the negative comments and then they make more content out of it. And I aspire to be that way. But right now, if I get like, well, not not so much anymore because I've worked through it quite a lot. But like in the earlier days of my trying to figure this out, I would be like, OK, I'm going to post. I'm going to post. I'm going to do it. I'm going to post every day for a month or whatever. And then I would try and I would get one person who misunderstood what I said and I would spiral and quit because it felt terrifying. Oh, yeah. So how do we get into the thick of it when we have thin skin? I have one thing that we have developed doing. You're so clever. That I think is brilliant. <laughs> Hello, I'm Sachiko and I'm a developmental editor. <laughs> um. Here's something that a lot of our writer friends do, and I cannot recommend it enough. I mean, you've probably heard the don't read the comments. Okay, so don't. But like with reviews, you have a friend read those. You do not read them. Don't read them. It's okay to have a thin skin. That is how a lot of the light gets in. That's, yeah. you're beautiful. Okay, we love your poetry. So it's okay to have thin skin. Acknowledge it. You do not have to pretend to be tough. Go ahead and have, let's read our reviews for each other so that we can like gently, yeah. here's what it says. Here's what we can do. We're going to community our way through this. Yep. Yep. And writing can often feel like such a solitary process. And I mean, it is in a lot of ways. You have to spend an awful lot of time in your own brain. But I think having that community, having people you can trust is 
deeply crucial because mm-hmm. I can take those comments that I get that make me spiral and I can send them to you and I can be mm-hmm. like, is this? Because I know for me, I will only actually mentally take in about a fourth of what they said because it activates my nervous system and then I go into fight or flight and I, I can't for a little while until I'm able to like regulate and come back down. And unmasking has been a whole other fun thing with that to have all of those things that I'm like, oh, I can handle that. But then now that I'm unmasking, I'm like, kidding, I'm going to go cry for a half hour. But to have someone who you can touch base with to be like, uh-huh, these are my feelings is wonderful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then you know you're not alone. Yeah. And if it's hard, you've got somebody who can kick rocks with you. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was what a jerk. Yeah, that was really mean. Oh, that was really hard. But you know what? I know you can do this. I mean, it's to be able to have anything not turn into a I'm going to die. I need to stop writing. Then. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I want to underline how I'm just I'm learning about the nervous system a lot, like in the last six months. Mm -hmm. And that state of fight or flight is real. And like, I can't underline enough how much it genuinely feels to my brain that I am literally going to die. Like it feels like I am dying. My heart rate spikes, my palms get all sweaty. I can't think, I can't talk. Like it's, it's a whole thing and it can impact me for days. And so to have, first of all, that's normal. <laughs> that's normal. That is normal. That is yeah. normal. And if you feel like, oh, I've never had anything like that, congratulations. Either you are incredibly highly masked or you're really, really, really lucky. Okay, but here's the thing. A lot of the expectations for marketing and a lot of, especially when it's given by publishers to writers saying, and of course you will do this, it really is predicated on a baseline, not of somebody who already is trying to make themselves small and seem normal. It's people who just sort of, are confident in taking up space mm-hmm. and they are fine with telling people that you should spend money on money on me. I am talented. Yeah. And that's not a lot of people that we know. It's such a funny intersection of like, I think if I were to ask 10 of our writer friends, do you want to be famous? Most of them would say no. Mm-hmm. Most of them, I, and again, maybe your writing community is different, but ours is very narrow spicy. Yes. Most of the people who I know would like to make enough money off of their books to supplement their income, maybe replace it if they get lucky. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't dream of that? We would all love to be full-time writers, I think. We'd all love to be making good money that we can, yeah. in a sustainable yeah. way. I mean, everybody's I mean, everybody's struggling right now economically, and we all want a job that feeds our soul, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. And I think that that is normal and good to want but marketing yourself in a hey here i am i have tiktoks go viral constantly is a different sort of fame yeah that it's i think it can be really difficult to um well again i'll speak for myself it's very difficult for me to like put together this idea that like i want people to buy my stuff and so i need to market and I need to be able to go into that space and be like, Hey, I've written a book and it's really good. And then also that part of like all of my childhood trauma, that's like 
don't say that out loud. You are being prideful. You should talk less. You should be quieter, blah, blah, blah. All the things People are said. dangerous. And so yeah. that keeps us from doing the writer version of like and subscribe. Yeah. You know, because maybe we're not persuaded yet on a deep level. This is going to be a safe choice. Yeah. So if we're struggling with the idea that marketing doesn't feel emotionally safe yet, what is a way that we can dip a toe logistically so that at least we can keep struggling with our insecurities while still getting our stuff out there and maybe making a little bit of money? I have ideas. I have ideas. Okay. So my very first idea is that you should find whichever social media platform feels nice to you especially if we're trying to operate from a sense of like nervous system safety. We're going to just practice this until it feels less scary. That's like the only goal for me right now with this experiment I'm doing. I'm just going to practice until it feels less scary. And so for me, that means choosing the platform that I feel the most comfortable on. And I actually saw some really, you can go look it up, listeners, watchers, viewers, people who are our wonderful beloveds. Yes. (laughs) You can go and look up the statistics, but um, the percentage of like people age age group wise that are on each platform is actually really, really similar. I've heard a lot of people say like, oh, TikTok's for the young people. No one hangs out on Facebook anymore except your grandma. But that's not actually true. The data doesn't actually back that up. So you should go look up like Facebook users age groups and like you can find the data that Facebook is publishing. I think they update it. I don't know if it's annually or by it, whatever. It's there. So for me, it doesn't matter so much which one you choose, but that you pick the one that you're comfortable on. Pick the one that feels the safest to you. And then you need to set up your own ground rules. So do you reply to comments? Do you read comments? Do you have a friend who reads comments for you? Do you interact with people? Are you okay with people sending you private messages? So for Mm. me, because it feels like a deeply terrifying thing, I do not reply to comments. Unless they are people I personally know, I pretty much don't reply to comments. Um, Or unless they're asking like a question. But like I haven't, that doesn't happen very often for the sort of stuff that I'm posting. Mostly the way that I want to operate is I want to like say the thing and then what feels safe to me is then going away from it. Mm-hmm. And not thinking about it for a little while and not obsessively checking. So my boundaries are that I I will like comments. That's fine. That feels okay to me. But only if I'm in a good place. Um, I don't reply to comments really right now. Because I'm again, I'm trying to get to the point where like I feel okay in my own body. And um, then you find a posting schedule that feels good to you. So especially if you have like PDA autism or if you have anything where demands feel really overwhelming to your nervous system, give yourself so many choices. You don't have to post every single day. I know that's like the wisdom is you have to post every single day, multiple times a day. I don't want to. So you know what? I'm not going to because um, the thing that has really helped me to think about it is that consistency is more important than like regular, yeah, frequency. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So if I just post once a week, great. My people who follow me will know, oh, she posts every Monday or, oh, she posts once a week or, oh, I don't hear from her very often, but when I do, I love her stuff. That's fine. That is fine. I don't think you have to post every day. Like, and you may get to the point where you're like, this is really fun. I enjoy it, but I'm not talking to you people. 
I'm talking to me who's scared. So um, the current thing that I figured out is that I feel like I can post maybe three times a week is like my ceiling, my minimum. So what I've done for myself is I have said, if I post once a week, I have succeeded. I don't ever have to do it again until next week. That's fine. It's done. Here's what I love about it and what I think is so applicable to everybody, because I think a lot of people are more and more burnt out than before, like especially since 2020, a lot of people have felt really burnt out. And burnout is basically where regular activities become so taxing that your body interprets them as a threat. So if you push yourself past a point of comfort for whatever reason, because you feel like that's what's required, you need to impress somebody, whatever it is. It's gonna make it's gonna change the longevity of your career because that is what creates burnout. Like yeah. doing it in a way that the people that we've known who have thrived in such a personally affecting career, it's because they've figured out a way to do it their own way. Yeah. And that doesn't leave them like crispy chicken that's been in the oven too long. Right. It's gotta be sustainable where you can feel okay doing it and it's not killing you. Yeah. Yes. I love that you're doing it that way. For I me, love that you're taking care well, of you. And when I say like, I only have to do it once and then I never have to do it again until next, that hits something in my brain and body that makes me be like, well, but what if I want to post again? You can't tell me that I can only post. What if I want to do it again? And then magically look at me. I've posted three times in a week. Good job. But I have to have the bar as low as possible, as low as possible. So I picked Instagram because I already have a dedicated author page on there. I already have a couple of followers. Um, and I already have some content there from, you know, the previous times when I've tried to do this. Um, and so, and Instagram also feels safe to me because I already have all of my comments, not, not comments. I already have all my notifications turned off. Oh, right. Like I'm not going to get pinged about it. And Instagram is one of those things that I get on maybe once a week. Mm-hmm. to see how things are going. And so I'm not going to be constantly flooded by comments and things when I get on to try to do my own, like I'm scrolling on social media time now, which that is actually kind of opposite advice from what a lot of people give. They say like, be active on the platform where you are most active. And for me, that feels too stressful. So mm-hmm. no, I'll do what I want. Thank you very much. Well, well because the, the intrinsic rewards of social media is it's scratching a place in our brain that, floods us with yummies, right? Yeah. But if we're doing it in a professional capacity, the yummies are flowing the other direction and it becomes really draining. Yeah. Like be aware of that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you serve your yummies, like go ahead and you scroll for them, yeah. y'all. Um, yeah. Make it so that you're not depleting yourself unnecessarily. Yep. And I don't think that there is a perfect way to do it. And that, that that's a lot of the messaging that I was getting when I was trying to figure out well, what will actually work for me is that there is this perfect one way. And I just don't think that's true. I think you need to know yourself really well and then make some sort of program, schedule, structure, system, whatever that is effective for you. Um, The last thing I want to talk about is uh, an exercise that I did over this last weekend with one of my critique partners where we, (laughs) it was genuinely really fun, um, where I made a list for her and she made a list for me because we've read each other's stuff. We know each other's stuff and we know each other really, really well. We are good friends. And so we made a list of what are the things that this person, like what are the things that I love to hear them talk about? And we just made a list for each other. And 
I was really touched by the things that were on my list. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think she was touched by the things that I put down too, but because we, we love each other. We are such good friends. I adore her. And I love hearing what she has to say. And she is so brilliant on a number of topics, right? And yes. so then of those topics, we then went through and we were like, okay, which of these things shows up at least semi-regularly in my writing? Mm. And so for me, one of the things was um, the sense of like advocacy. That feels really important to me and it's important to who I am as a person. And it's important in all of my stories too. And so I highlighted that one. I'm like, that is a thing that if people come to me and they're like, this lady does advocacy, then they'll read my books and they'll be like, indeed, she does. Oh, so you're using like loving reflection to discern your natural brand. And it felt so nice. It felt so nice. Because when we we tried to do it like ourselves, we're like, okay, we're going to make less for ourselves. And then both of us were like, I don't know. What do I even like? Our brains both went blank. If you ask somebody, what's your brand? All of a sudden, for me, my head gets flooded with, what should I say? What would sound good? What would be correct? But knowing what I've already, like looking back on what I've already joyfully spent time doing, that I've done well and connected with people with, Mm -hmm. that's going to be probably more easily discernible by somebody outside my brain. I love this idea. Isn't it so fun? Well, and I love it too, because it starts from a place of safety. Or you can yes. be like, I know that I have at least one person in my life who loves it when I talk about this. So then I can just imagine when I'm writing up my blog posts or my Instagram posts or whatever, you're, whatever it is that you're doing on your social media, you can be like, I know I have one friend who is going to be like, oh, you talked about the thing. I'm so excited. You know you have at least one person. There is dopamine at the end of this bridge. This audience who is just eagerly awaiting whatever you're going to say, like have them in mind, have that beautiful, friendly, loving face just waiting for you at the end of your post. Yes. And then, so then what I then do is I always share it with her. As soon as I'm done writing the post, that's the other step in my process. Then that completes the little dopamine loop for me is that I send it to her and then she comes back to me and she's like, Erin, it was so good. And then she leaves me a really nice comment too. And I do the same thing for her because it's that same like community supportive thing that we, but like that, I'm not always, it doesn't always feel like enough to my nervous system. Cause again, I'm operating from a place of being very overwhelmed by the whole process, but it feels safer the like Mm -hmm. we're building in the safety of it yeah well isn't it i would i would much rather be surrounded by friends than adversaries so like marketing from a point from an adversarial standpoint where we're trying to persuade what it feels like doesn't it like you're going into like the swaths of readers and you have to like wave your sword-shaped book and and, like like proving yourself you're like defending a thesis yeah. And, and it's like, I mean, no, there are people out there who are so excited. They're going to be so excited to meet you and to meet your story. They're just going to like to spend time with you. That's who you are talking to. Yes. The friends that you have not yet met. Mm-hmm. And for me, that feels exciting and scary simultaneously because mm-hmm. I still have that loop going in my brain of saying like, well, it's really hard for you to make friends. People don't actually really like you that much. When they get to know you, they decide that they don't actually. That's that's mm-hmm. the story that I have going. 
and I'm working on it. Therapy is helpful. But to be able to say, like, I'm just posting for my one friend. If no one else, that's okay. That's, that's okay. And to slowly, I'm trying to like slowly pry off this idea that the world has to like me because that's not true. I saw a post from John Green a little while ago where he said that, um, Ooh, I can't remember which one of his books it was, but one of his books had been read like it was like at the top of the number one New York Times bestseller list or whatever. It won all these awards. And then he said, but the number of the number of copies that actually sold was this much smaller amount than I would have anticipated. And he's like, you don't need the world to love you. You just need the people who will love you to know you exist. And you guys, this is borne out. Even in the marketing that seems to be geared towards people who are completely comfortable ordering others around and in talking themselves up, which kudos to y'all if you can do that. And that works for a lot of people. But even for people who are fine with that, they still tell them. And so we'll repeat it here. Know your niche. Like you have a niche. There's going to be a niche where people are like, I love that particular mix of genres. I love Mm -hmm. that voice. I love all the ideas that this re- author returns to repeatedly. Yeah. I love this person and the way they think about other people. Yep. You know? You're trying to find the people who vibrate on the same frequency that you do. And isn't that what we're doing on social media anyway, is we're connecting yeah. with people yeah. over shared I think loves. that's like that's ideally what it is. Ideally. <laughs> Well, you know, Brene Brown talks about how there's this very easy shortcut to false intimacy Mm. where you're hating something together, but it's kind of cheap and it doesn't lead to anything good. So it's really tempting to do in the short term. It it can feel kind of cathartic, but in the long term, things that we can share a love for, that's going to be what can really build a really good community. That's going to bring people back. And if it feels alarming to you to like be at the center of a community, because it does to me, um, Mm -hmm. then the other thing that you can do is, I mean, I'm saying this as like a theory. What I would like to have happen is that you eventually find other writers who are writing your same, in your same genre to your same people. You have overlapping audiences and like ideally you like each other. um, And then you can take care of each other together. Um, I have to go. My doorbell just rang. So we'll wrap okay. this up. Thank you so much. It was lovely to chat with you. And we'll see and you next you time. And you as well. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. This has been Rough Drafts Welcome. Thank you so much for listening. Got any questions? We would love to hear them. Got a complaint? We'll hear it too. Yep. Leave us a five-star review. Pretty please. And thank you. And if you want to book with Salt and Sage Books or learn anything else about what we do, or if you want to work with us or take our courses or blah, 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 you can find us at www.saltandsagebooks.com. And we're all over social media too. We sure are. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.